0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We are kicking off a two-part series called The Heart of the Father, The Heart of the Of the Father. And I felt like Father's Day would be the appropriate day to kick off this conversation. Now, if you were here for Mother's Day, how many know Rachel brought a great word? Oh, honestly, I woke up today just a little intimidated. (laughs) Babe, you're forcing me to raise the bar for all the dads. And I I will say this as a church, we love celebrating dads. I have been in some places where, you know, we, Mamas, you're just the best. We love you. You're so amazing. And then on Father's Day, it's like, dads, you just try a little harder, dads? I think HPC has some amazing men. And, and I was thinking about it. And in fact, as I look across this room, I see guys that I know and I love. I saw families walking into church today. And I was like, Lord, thank you for giving us strong men. Thank you for giving us godly men. Thank you for giving us men who work hard, who set such a great example. Lord, I pray that you'd place courage inside of the heart of every man. Can somebody help me preach this morning? And so we we honor the dads. And this is a word that I think is gonna help not just dads, but all of us. The heart of the father. There's a Jewish proverb out there that says simply this. The shortest distance between Man and God is one story. So tell your story. Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories. Now let me give you some context here before I get into the story of the prodigal son. Jesus is being criticized by scribes and Pharisees. How many know Jesus always had people on him? They were always after him. Jesus was doing so much good, caring for others, healing, setting people free, and he always had a group of guys after him. Can I tell you this? When you commit to do what's right, those who do what's wrong will come at you. And so they just couldn't stand how he welcomed sinners. He ate with them. He spent time with them, and so he was criticized by the religious elite. And so in response to their criticism, Jesus tells three stories. Remember, the shortest distance between man and God is a story. Jesus tells three stories back to back to back. And there's significance in why Jesus tells three consecutive stories. He's trying to reinforce a very important lesson for all of us. What we're going to see in this chapter, and if you get a chance to read it on your own, it is just chock full with some amazing insight. We're going to focus on the lost son, but Jesus starts by telling the story of the of lost sheep. He said, a man had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off. This man left the 99 to go after the one. And when he found that one sheep that had wandered away and brought him home, he rejoiced. You see, there's joy when lost becomes found. And then he said a woman had, I mean, think about it. This shepherd would leave the safety. He would risk the safety of 99 sheep to go after one. Aren't you glad we serve a God who will go after the one? How many of you have been that one? Then he tells this next story about a woman who had 10 silver coins and she lost one and she just searched the house, I mean, swept it up and down. And when she found that lost coin, she invited all of her friends to come and celebrate with her. She threw a party that was probably more expensive than the value of the coin itself. Jesus is trying to reinforce the the value of those things that were once lost and now become found. And then, of course, he tells the story of the lost son. This is called the the prodigal son. How many of you have heard this before? You know, the word prodigal, it's interesting. If you look it up, it kind of has two different definitions. It it means uh, wasteful. It means reckless. But it also means extravagant and lavish. And I begin to think about it as I study this week, you could almost call this the story of the prodigal father, because the love that he lavished on his son was so extravagant. You know, I think this story says more about the heart of the father than it does about the habits of the son. So in the heart of the Father, on Father's Day, I wanted to bring Luke 15, this passage to you so that you and I can get a better understanding of who God is to us. Of all the pictures the Bible could paint of who God is, do you know in the Gospels alone, the Bible refers to God as Father 189 times? Do you know that God wants you to see him as father. And if that's true, if God primarily wants us to know him as father, what do you think the number one target of the enemy would be? Come on, talk to me. How many of you know the devil's going after dads? Why is that? Because if he can tear down the image of your earthly father, he can destroy how you see your heavenly father. That's why I think, men, there are targets drawn on your back. The enemy's coming after you because if he can hurt you, he can destroy your family. And we see what's happening in culture today. We see what happens in the absence of a father, and we see the results of the presence of a father. Today, I want to talk to you about the heart of a father. And as you see this story unfold, then you'll begin to see God maybe in a different light. The scripture says this in Luke 15, verse 11. Read with me. Jesus, again, the third of three stories. He says this. To illustrate the point even further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, Dad, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, let me stop right here and notice how Jesus says a man had two sons. This week, we're gonna talk about the prodigal son. Next week, we'll talk about the older brother. But what's interesting to notice here, in this family, the younger brother was sad, the older brother was mad, and neither one of them knew the father's heart. Do you know it's possible to be in the father's house and not even know the father's heart? It's possible to be so close in proximity, yet so far in purpose. The Bible says that a man had two sons, and the younger son came to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now before you die. Now, what's interesting, you'll see in this story, the older brother appears to have done everything right. And you'll find out that the younger brother is fixing to do a whole lot of things wrong. But what you'll see throughout this story is the steady, faithful love of a dad. You know what that tells me? That your good deeds don't earn God's love and your bad deeds don't forfeit God's love. Can I tell you this, your value as a son or daughter has little to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with what God has done. His character and nature sets value on you and me. Come on, if you're a parent, how many of you you recognize this? Sometimes your kids get it right. Sometimes your kids get it wrong. But does that ever change the volume of the love that you have for your kids? Of course not. Well, then why would we apply something to God that we don't even do ourselves? Why would we associate his love with us by our good behavior? Now, now listen, sometimes we do mess up. And, and in those moments where, where I've sinned and fallen short, it's easy for me to carry guilt and shame and think that God loves me less. I'm going to tell you this. God's love for us is Perfect. Younger brother says, give me my inheritance now. Why is that significant? What does this younger brother say? Let me ask you this. When does a son receive his inheritance? Well, the father has to die. What was the boy telling his dad? Dad, you are dead to me. I don't want you. I want your stuff. And some of you who have strained relationships with your adult kids, you know the pain of this moment. You've experienced that. Some of you have walked through hurt and heartache with your kids that is just so unspeakable. Some of you, even on Father's Day, it's difficult for you because your relationship with your dad is strained. Jesus tells this story. Again, the shortest distance between man and God is a story. He tells us this story not to just teach the scribes and Pharisees about the value of what's lost, but to show you and me the nature of who God is. Even in our worst moments, God still gives us his very best. Now, if you're taking notes, and I think this kind of, we're going to walk through this story, and I want to give you three things that I think stand out about the heart of this dad. I want you to see this father's response to this younger son. Number one, the dad released him. Notice what he did. When he says, Dad, give me my inheritance now, the father released him. Let me ask you this. Don't you think that dad knew that this was a mistake? Don't you think? He understands this is not a good idea. But yet the father loved his son so much that he gave him freedom. Come on, somebody say freedom. Can I tell you, God invites us into a relationship with him, not to control us, but to liberate us. Are you with me? You see, some people have a wrong idea of Christianity. They think it's a bunch of rules and regulations. And God's just trying to control me. I don't want all that bondage. And yet what we begin to discover is the real bondage is being in bondage to sin. And God's not trying to control us. He's trying to save us. He's trying to redeem us. He's trying to liberate us. Have you discovered that you can't force anybody to love you? You cannot force somebody to do so. You can't force a relationship. I remember the first time I told Rachel that I loved her. Whew. In fact, I was driving down Essen Lane and I saw the McDonald's. We were teenagers and it was at the McDonald's on Essen Lane. Baby, you remember that conversation? You don't remember that conversation? <laughs> it's like, baby, that's kind of a big deal, all right? How many of you know when you initiate love, you make yourself vulnerable, right? You, you, you kind of put yourself out there. We had a real heart to heart under the Golden Arches. It's a vulnerable thing to initiate love. But listen, if love is legitimate, it has to have the freedom to express itself in return. Come on. Love, in order to be authentic, has to be free to reciprocate. Let me tell you, she has reciprocated in Jesus' name. I told her the other day, I said, babe, you know, we're talking and... I said, you, you, you know, you just need to embrace your mistakes. You need to embrace your mistakes. So she hugged me. <laughs> um, that's a corny dad joke. It's Father's Day. Come on. <laughs> One time, Rachel and I were leading a young adults missions trip uh, to Spain, and I remember we had probably about oh eight or ten uh, uh, young adults with us, and in this group was a couple that was dating and oh they were so in love they were in love. I mean it was just like snap crackle pop I mean they were talking you could just see it and so the guy came to me before the trip and he said pastor look I've got an engagement ring in my pocket we have a layover in Paris I would love to to propose to her in Paris and I said well let's do it on the way back all right, not on the way to. We'll catch it on the way back. He said, I respect it. Okay, yes. And so the whole week, we're there ministering and just seeing the two, and everybody knew what was going to happen on the way home except for her. She was the only one out of the loop. Well, we'd gone through the week, done the missions trip. Man, everything was fantastic. And man. now we're flying back. We have this layover at Charles de Gaulle International Airport. And at gate 43, the young man breaks down on one knee. Now, we've got cameras, we've got video, I mean, the team, we're gonna capture this moment. He breaks down on one knee and he says, Will you marry me? And she turns and looks and it's like, Whew. I thought we talked about this already. How many of you know at that moment I was like, hey, there's nothing to see here, people. There's nothing. Group one is boarding the plane. Get on the plane. Listen, if love is gonna be for real, it's got to be free to choose. It's true in a relationship, it's true in our relationship with God. When God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, He gave them the choice. He didn't make them robots. He wasn't trying to control them. He initiated love, and then he gave them a chance to respond. As parents, I want to encourage you, don't smother your children. Now, you train them when they're young, but as they grow old, eventually you've got to give them freedom. We talk about you know uh, being rooted and planted. For 18 years, you, you teach them values. You teach them the word. Some of you have dedicated your children on this stage. You've stood on this stage, and you've offered your kids to God. Can I tell you this? It's one thing to surrender your kids to the Lord. It's another thing to surrender your plans for your kids to the Lord. Can somebody help me today? This dad had the wisdom to release his son. The Bible says that this young man, he packed his bags, gathered his belongings, he took his inheritance, and he ran as far away from home as he could get. He went to Vegas. (laughs) Wild parties, wild women, crazy things. Eventually, he ran out of money and he ran out of friends. How many know they weren't true friends in the first place? They didn't care about him. The Bible says that he found himself in a pig's pen. Now think about this. A Jewish boy slopping hogs in a pig pen. It was the worst of all humiliations. Can I tell you this? Sometimes you have to step into your worst moments before you get your best perspective. Sometimes you have to lose everything before you appreciate anything. And the father knew when he released his son that eventually he would run out of something. You see, a crisis can actually accomplish kingdom purpose. Can I have a good amen? You don't have to smother your kids. You don't have to control your kids. Man, you teach them. You train them. You set the example, but then you've got to release them and trust that God is sovereign over your children. Anybody ever run away from home as a kid? Y'all never did that? Y'all ever threatened to run away from home? Nobody appreciates me around here. You just wait till I'm gone. You'll see. And your mama comes in and helps you pack your bags. (laughs) How many of you, your mom actually helps you pack your stuff? Oh yes, she did hey, you're going to need some extra socks and clean underwear is always important. And you're like, is this really happening? I mean it. I'm going this time. Hey, we love you, son. God bless you. And then you take your stuff and you walk out the door. You kind of walk down the sidewalk and go around the block. Then you realize something. I'm hungry and your hunger brings you back to the house. Listen, this young man had an appetite for sin, and that's what drew him away from his father. But when he was slopping hogs, working in a pig pen, he realized he was so hungry, he got a revelation. I had it better back at my dad's house. Come on, crisis will teach you a thing or two. Some of you have to release your kids. You've taught them. You've set the example for them. You've placed the word of God in them. You have prayed over them, but you're going to have to release them to get a revelation. A pig pen can get somebody's attention. Some of you need to pray for a pig pen in your kids' lives. He's not going to listen to me. He won't learn from me, but maybe there'll be some circumstances that'll get his attention. Come on, sometimes we either learn through advice or we learn through adversity. And most of the time we learn through adversity, come on, because you never forget the lessons that pain will teach you. Mm-mm-mm. The Bible says that he came to himself in the pig pen. His thoughts begin to change. He remembered what he had back at the father's house. You see, I want you to know this. If you have a prodigal, if you have a son or a daughter that's away from the Lord, or maybe you're a prodigal right now, God's not trying to pay you back. He's trying to bring you back. And life gets hard and it gets very difficult when we live apart from the love of God, apart from the plans and purposes of God. When we try to do things in our own strength, when we live selfishly and recklessly, life gets difficult. God gets this young man's attention. So he says, you know what, I'll go home. Can you imagine the thoughts that went through this young man's mind? Bible says he went to a distant land. He went a far ways away. That means there was a long walk back to the house. He says in his mind, I can just see the guilt, the shame, the regret. He's rehearsing this speech that he's going to give to his dad. I, I, I'll just, I'll just ask if my dad will take me in as a hired servant. You know, even the, they, the servants had it better at the house than what I'm experiencing here in this pig pen. I'll go home and beg him to take me back. The Bible says this, verse 20, Luke 15, verse 20. So the boy returned home to his father. And while he was, a, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, He ran to his son, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. I want you to know we read this today in our culture, and it doesn't really pop, but Middle Eastern men in biblical days, they didn't run for anything. That was to lose all dignity. That was embarrassment for a grown man to run. Not only did the father release him, but number two, the father ran to him. I wonder how many days, because the scripture says the father looked and saw him from a long way off. I wonder how many days the father stood on that front porch, holding out hope for that boy. Days would go by, weeks would go by, months would go by. Have you heard anything from, from your son? Not a word, but he was trusting God You see, when you release your children to the Lord, you can trust God with your kids. And this is not just a picture of an earthly dad's love for his son, but it's a picture of God's love for us. How how does God feel about you when you mess up? what what thoughts does God have about you man when you fail when you fall short when you fall into sin what, what what is God doing what is he thinking about you this story tells us the Bible says he ran to him I love that I remember when the kids were young they would catch the bus how many know you can hear the brakes on a bus for blocks you can hear that bus coming I remember one night the bus stop where we lived at the time, the bus stop right at the corner where we lived. We lived kind of in a dead end. The bus would stop at that stop sign and Rachel and I were talking and I heard the brakes on that bus slowing down and it just hit me. Okay. I'm kind of one of those spontaneous in the moment, just react. Anybody out there like that? And I hear the, the brakes and know that the bus is coming and the kids every, every day it was the same when they would, as soon as those doors would open, they would run off of that bus, and it's just like they were free. They were just so excited. Man, I mean, we're playing. And so, I, I, I heard the bus coming, and I come barreling out the front door. And I just started running. And Alexa, she gets off the bus, and she's running to the house, and then she sees me running to her. And she turns, started running the other direction, And she's saying, don't do it, daddy, don't do it. And I'm like, girl, get over here, what's up? And I'm chasing her all over that dead end. And she's like, mama, tell him to stop. Mama, tell him to stop. And all of her friends were looking on like, oh my goodness. But guess what? I didn't care. I love that girl. Part of my responsibility as a dad is to chase that girl. And embarrass her with love if I have to. Guess what? She didn't like it then, but I promise you, she's 24 years old now, she'll embrace it now. And I wondered that day how many of her friends thought, man, Alexa's dad is crazy? But I wish my dad would be that crazy too. The father runs and meets this boy, and I can just see him falling on his shoulder and kissing him. And I love you so much and just embracing him. And here the boy, he does not even know what to do. He, he's come back with this speech about being a hired servant and the dad will hear none of it. You see, this is a beautiful picture of the grace of God running to meet you. I don't know what you've done and I don't know what you've become or how you feel about yourself but you are loved and you are valued by your heavenly Father. God releases us. He gives us freedom of choice. He doesn't give us freedom of consequence, but he gives us freedom to choose. And when we mess up and we long to be back in his presence, he doesn't sit there on the front porch saying, well, 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 look what the cat drug in, boys. I told you he'd be back. You know what he does? He loses all dignity, and he runs that boy down. And that's the love of a heavenly father for a son or daughter that's coming home. Look at what it says here. This is so good. But the father said to his... I could just hear the boy saying, Dad, just take me back as a, as a servant. I, I know I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. The boy's bringing his past, and the dad will hear nothing of it. The dad only speaks to the future. And here's what the dad says. His father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on this boy. Come on, somebody say robe. He says, get a ring for his finger." Somebody say ring. ring. And put sandals on his feet. Somebody say sandals. And kill the calf we've been fattening. Somebody say beef. beef. Come on, man. I'm sorry for all of you vegetarians out there, but God loves protein, man. He's into beef, red meat. In, can somebody say Barbecue. Notice what he's saying. He doesn't even acknowledge what the boy is saying. He says, look, bring the robe, bring the ring, get my shoes. Let's kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine, mm, 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 mm. this son of mine, you see the father still claimed him as his listen to me you were a son by birth not by worth some of you feel worthless like you have to earn your way back into the family and this father says hey this son who belongs to me he once was dead and now he's returned to life he was lost but now he's found and so the party began can you say amen You see, the father released him. He ran to him. But then finally this, he rejoices over him. Interesting what the father did. He said, bring the robe. You know what the robe represents? Prosperity. You know what God wants to restore in some of you today? That spirit of prosperity and abundance. Some of you have been so robbed by the choices that you've made and this world will steal and kill and try to destroy everything of value inside of you. But that robe represents prosperity. You know what the ring represents? Authority. That was the ring that belonged to the father. That was a signet ring, the the staple crest of the family. He's restored now back into the position of being a son. God restores prosperity. He restores authority. You know what the shoes represent? Direction. God will get you back on the right track. He'll order your steps. Maybe you've taken a few steps away. You've gone off the path. You've gone off script, so to speak. God says, I, I can restore that. I can change your, your course of direction and get you right where you need to be. And you know what the calf represents? Joy. Joy. Heaven throws a party. When the lost come home. I thought about this verse, and let me close with this. Zephaniah, the, the ancient prophet said these words, Zephaniah 3, 17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all of your fears, and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I just feel like somebody needs to hear this today. God can restore everything that the enemy has stolen. Some of you have felt such a loss in your family, relationship with your children. Maybe you have a son or daughter that you're praying for, that they are a long way from home, and God's reminding you today that he is sovereign. And if you'll release your children to him and trust him, don't give up. Don't you dare give up on those kids. You stay on that front porch of faith day after day, and you hold out hope for your son or for your daughter. The Bible says the prodigals come home and when they do, the party begins. It says it's time to rejoice. Time to rejoice kind of like when, like we rejoice when LSU wins in the College World Series. So say, okay, that got somebody, that got somebody. There we go. But even that party's small compared to the party that heaven throws. When those who were given no hope, no opportunity, not even a chance, some of you have lost hope even in your own thinking. And God said, no, don't count me out. All of heaven rejoices when the lost are found. Amen. You receive that today. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening.